first off, you know, just be checking yourself. Take mm-hmm. it, you know, when you're in the shower. I mean, you know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. You know if there's a bump or something weird. And go in to see your doc. Yeah. Do not wait on it because, hey, what if it's just a cyst? Or what if it's, yeah. great, now you got peace of mind. Right. So that's what I would recommend. Don't be hesitant. You know. Hey, team, it's time for another edition of In the Clinic with Rob, your place for health wellness, fitness, sports, or whatever else I want to talk about, or you guessed it, people, not animals. Welcome to the show. You are absolutely the best part of our day. So let's get started. Welcome, 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 an extra welcome today. I'm fired up, I'm excited, I'm ready to rumble. We've got an action-packed show for today that uh, I can't wait to get started. So let's just fire away and get into here. I'm looking out, it's dark, it's damp, it's pouring down rain, it's soggy, and, and I'm pretty excited. <laughs> and why am I excited? Because uh, one of the benefits of having your own clinic and helping people in their lives is that you get to know a lot of people. And um, in the clinic, I've had a perpetual leak that occurs into our gym because, uh, you know, years and years ago, 40 years ago, they thought if we build a flat roof, it'll be okay. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) And I've had this perpetual leak that I've had to crawl up into our small attic just maneuver over every one of the trusses to try and get all the way to the end. And then at the very back corner is where this, this pipe is that comes in for, um, from the roof. And I have finagled with my limited uh, roofing and plumbing skills to try and get this done. And thankfully, my guy Justin, Justin Bradfield, just went, hey, I'm here for you, man. I'll take care of it. And he's a big guy. I mean, he's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and, and uh, thick. And for him to crawl up in that space and uh, take care of it from the top end and the bottom end. And I've already gone over there and looked, and it is dry. It is dry, baby. <laughs> yes. And it's so funny, the, the small wins that you get. It's so funny, the small um, little things that excite you to know just the fact that my guy Justin completely hooked us up, took care of it, and uh, it's a worry you don't have to worry about anymore. So, so one, Justin, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you. I owe you one. And then two, let's switch gears. You know, other updates um, from around that we've had recently is, you know, I've, I talk about my family quite a bit. And one of the reasons is because, you know, they're kicking butt. And part of the reason they're kicking butt is that uh, my daughter just, just started high school. And by starting high school, she has moved from um, into volleyball. And volleyball is not one of her primary sports. I mean, she's, she's played in the past. She's, she's done some junior high work, did, did just a little bit of club work. But it hasn't been an area that, that's been a ton of focus. So it's, it's more on the new side of her, especially understanding concepts. 
And uh, she was, um, at the beginning of the season, placed on the C team, which they have a, a varsity, a JV, and a C team. And naturally, um, you know, you compare yourself to others. And she had a couple of her, her uh, friends or classmates that moved to the JV team, which, um, you know, to her credit, there was no complaining. There was no, you know, whining. There was no um, backstabbing, talking bad about her friends. It was just more of a internal, hmm, you know, I... I that's kind of where I want to aspire to be. I want to keep moving up. So, you know, throughout the season, she's, she's been on the C team and she's just worked diligently. And uh, about the third practice, her coach came to her and said, um, I'd like you to be a setter. And she kind of looked at her and went, oh, really? And she's like, yeah. She goes, you know, I, you have soft, soft touch with your hands. You move well and uh, you're, you're a natural leader. I want you to I want you to be a setter. And she's like, well, I've, I've never really set before. She's like, that's okay. We'll, we'll work on it. Which is natural with me being a coach, coaching varsity softball. That's something that, um, you know, we do. We try and put, put players that have certain talents in a position to be successful. And sometimes it's outside their comfort zone. So, again, she, you know, Matt, Maddie never complained about this. She just kept working and working. It was fun throughout the season to watch her on the C team um, grow into this position, grow into... Um, learning to set, uh, working on her craft, working on getting ball placement, but more so she learned um, spacing and also uh, concepts. You know, it was fun after about the second or third game, you can see her directing her teammates. Nope, you need to be there. We got to be here. You got the back, you got the back row here. We got, and she's constantly communicating and directing. And it was neat. And, um, you know, from, from her efforts, it was noticed. And um, towards the end of the season, she was moved up to the JV team. And we just got back from watching her uh, JV game, and I was proud of her because she didn't start the game, and, and she didn't even know she'd be able to play. And shortly after the, the first rotation, they put her in, and they put her in to, uh, to, to actually serve, to start. So, you know, a lot of pressure there, first JV game, you're playing with some of the older girls that um, you haven't played with before, and there could be some apprehension, and she just, she just shows up. She, she just gets after it confidence. Um, she at one point had eight straight aces <laughs> and uh, just just completely um, rose the bar on expectations to where the second uh, set she ended up um, starting that one. You know, and so in, all in all, it, it was just a great example of, um, of, of just understanding the process and uh, appreciating the process. And, and as we went to dinner afterwards, she had family members that came to the game. We all went to dinner afterwards. And as I, as I explained to her, I was proud of her because um, you know she could have been discouraged from the get-go. She could have said, I'm going to quit, that this isn't for me, that the coach doesn't recognize me. You know, My player's here. She could have whined about her abilities compared to somebody else's and thrown somebody else on the bus, but she didn't. What she did is she just went to practice every day and worked her tail off. And she continued to be a good teammate. She continued to learn and she could turn, continue to grow. And I honestly believe the time that she had on C team allowed her to become a better player. And she became a better player solely because she got opportunities that she wouldn't have got on the JV team. She wouldn't have been able to have as much playing time. She might not have been a setter. They already had setters on, on the JV team. So her ability to grow as a player would have been limited if, you know, us as parents would have went and whined and said she should have been here or, or if Madeline would have whined or if she would have pouted and she wouldn't and the coach wouldn't have recognized her, her ability to possibly set. And, and the lesson there is that, um, 
you know, whatever opportunity you're in, whether you think you should be in, in a different one or not, take advantage of it. And there's always something to learn. There's always something to grow from. And I'm really proud of her to grow from that because she jumped into that JV game with utter confidence, utter, utter control, and she um, didn't miss a beat to where eight straight, uh, you know, aces. She, she uh, commanded her team. She was telling girls where to be in rotation. She was communicating effectively. She was placing her ball on her set. She was hustling. She's working hard. And you know what? And it showed, whereas if she would have started there, who knows? Maybe she wouldn't have grown as much. So, you know, I'm going to dovetail this and, and talk about an experience that, that was transformational in my life. You know, I grew up with my dad being a coach. He was a longtime coach, JV, uh, football, um, varsity, football, uh, uh, baseball, coached some of my younger teams in basketball, but just was a coach. And so, you know, you get used to understanding what coaches expect. Um, and, you know, part of that is you learn um, what coaches you know, want as far as accountability and, and those, and those levels. And when I was a a young athletic trainer, just got into the athletic training program at WSU and I had a great mentor that was the um, head athletic trainer of the whole program. His name is Bill Drake. Um, I I believe Bill's at Gonzaga now and uh, just, just a, a quality person that taught me a lot in the field, but also in life. So thank you, Bill. But I had a transit transformational moment where, um, you know, it was very clear that Bill directed all students that uh, they, at WCU, they had physicians that would come in from their clinic rotation. They would come into the athletic training program twice a week, and they would meet with athletes that had any issues. They, they were sick. They um, had headaches. They had an ache and pain. They had whatever. And instead of sending them down to their clinic, the doctor would come there, and they'd run them through. They'd put them on a schedule, and every 15 minutes, they'd, they'd go through a new athlete, and they'd take care of them. And uh, Bill made it very clear that the only person that can put an athlete on the schedule is a head athletic trainer. So one of them that um, works with, uh, you know, women's uh, 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 basketball, rowing, men's basketball, whatever. Whoever is the head athletic trainer, that, that's the only one that can put them on. And about a, two weeks after that, I'm in the, the athletic training room. It's dead in there. Nobody's in there. There's only one um, head athletic trainer in there. And there's no athletes. An athlete comes in and he's looking for people to talk to. And he comes up and he goes, hey, man, um, you know, uh, I'm ready to play today. I feel good. But Bill said I had to be cleared by the doctor. How do I get on the schedule? How do I get on the schedule? And I said, well, you know, only a head athletic trainer can put you on that. I can't can't do that. And he goes, well, but Bill told me that I had to make sure I got on the schedule. Bill told me that or else I wouldn't be able to practice. So I went and asked the only head athletic trainer there and said, hey, this is what he's telling me. Do I put him on the schedule or not? And the athletic trainer kind of just shrugged and went, yeah, I I don't know. So I didn't have much, uh, much direction there. So, <laughs> so I talked to him more and he was very convincing and adamant that he needed to be there. So, you know, I went and looked at the schedule, first mistake, and I uh, looked and saw that there was openings. There was openings there on Thursday. It was wide open. You know, what was going to be the harm of, of putting somebody in there? Because, hey, you know, it was, it was going to be okay because the, the doctor was free. I mean, it's better than have him see somebody than nobody. And it sounds like Bill really wants this guy practicing. <laughs> So I went ahead and put him on the schedule. And in the process of doing that, um, you know, it was, it, I think it was Thursday. Thursday came and went and, uh, you know, that time slot left. And in the process of that leaving, his appointment was um, like at four o'clock. And at that point, I was down with the soccer team. I was down on the field and I was helping out with soccer. And the soccer field sits down in a little bit of a bowl. And... Um, 
I'm sitting there working with soccer, and I turn and look, and at the top of the stadium stairs, which there's a road there, and then it goes down into a bowl, I look up and I see Bill Drake. <laughs> and Bill sees me and starts marching down these stairs, marching down them. And I realize right then, you know, I've, I've played a ton of sports. I've seen this look from coaches multiple times, and I realize what's going to happen here, which means I'm going to get my butt reamed. I mean, it is, he is going to chew me out. I know where this is going. And I immediately know why, because I realized, oh my gosh, that guy duped me. He totally duped me. And Bill came down just, I mean, his face said it all. So mad. He walked right up to me, got right in my face. And he said, did you put so-and-so on the doctor's schedule for today? And I immediately just went, yes, I did. And he goes, why the bleep would you do that? <laughs> and I just looked him in the eye and I said, I made a huge mistake. And he goes, and it kind of paused him for a second. He went, you absolutely did. What made you think you could do that? And I went, I was, I was not of the right mind and I made a, a mistake and it won't happen again. And he went, yeah, it won't. And he didn't know what to say after that. And he turned around and he stomped away. <laughs> and as I uh, grew with my relationship with Bill, I became um, one of his uh, uh, student athletic trainers for the football team that he was working with. And sitting in his office one day, we reflected on that uh, moment. And he told me that he was coming down there to just absolutely lay into me. And the minute that I, that I owned up to it, because he said he's worked with a ton of student athletic trainers in the past. And there's always full of excuses, just full of, oh, I thought this, I would have done this. It's because of this. It's not my fault type deal. And he said the minute that I just went and I owned it, he didn't, it just stunned him and he didn't know what to say. And I was just a hundred percent accountable for my actions. And he, um, <laughs> it just, it just stifled him. He didn't know what to do, but it made a big impression on him. And he, and he told me that. So overall, um, I, I, I'm appreciative of the relationship that I grew with Bill. I appreciate the time at, at Washington State University with their, with their athletic training program, their football program, learned a ton about myself as well as, um, the field, um, health, fitness, rehab, um, and the care and prevention of athletic injuries. So, you know, again, Bill, I tip my hat to you. Um, again, I, I appreciate uh, the relationship that grew there and the time that I had, you know, almost, <laughs> almost 20 years ago. So yeah, thank you. Um, but that dovetails into um, another, another topic, which, which is loosely related. And it talks really about um, kind of help yourself in your life. And this has to be from, from Gary V. And Gary V is a guy that I follow on Instagram who is just, um, he, I'm, I'm sure he's a rich philanthropist at this point, but he um, has a lot of different entities that he's been a self-made millionaire, essentially. And now he's more of a motivational speaker, and he just talks to young individuals about, um, stop worrying so much. You're young. Just go make a ton of mistakes. And he's really great with just inspiration. And yeah, if you don't like profanity, then, then don't, don't go to his page. But, um, but for the most part, uh, he's, he's, he's positive. He's upbeat. He's, you know, he's, he's just who he is. And he's um, a, an individual that's looking to help other people and, and just get perspective, particularly with mental health and, ha and how to help in their life. So he had a, uh, you know, a minute-long segment that they just asked him, hey, give us something good for today to think about. And he said, you know what? Um, I think more people should use the acronym AGE, AGE. And he said AGE stands for, A stands for accountability. 
said, you know, that the minute that you start owning stuff in your life, that you start, stop looking for other reasons on why it's somebody else's fault. And the minute that you start owning it, then you can do something about it. You have power now. You can, you have power with accountability to say, I'm going to make a change. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to change my life. But if you spend all of your time uh, blaming others and complaining, and it's not my fault, and it's not, you know, I'm the victim, and it's somebody else's, I'm disenfranchised because some, something else's, uh, somebody else's fault, somebody else is doing it to me. Essentially, what you're doing is you're limiting yourself. You're, you're making your life be controlled by an entity that, that doesn't even matter. But when you're accountable, and that's what made me think about Bill Drake and, and the time there, is when you're accountable to your actions, um, you can grow. You can absolutely grow. And just by telling Bill, myself, hey, I completely messed up. It won't happen again. I grew there. I grew. And his response and the way he reacted told me, you know what? I need to own my stuff more. More. Just own it. Who cares? Yeah, I messed up. We're all going to make mistakes. And it's not about the mistake. It's about learning from it. So the minute that we, we develop accountability to ourselves and just truly own everything that happens in our life, we can grow from it. So that was, that was impactful. So that's A for age. G, he goes into, stands for gratitude. And, you know, to truly um, enjoy your life, the minute that you start appreciating what other people do for you and have utter gratitude for the, the, the wins that you get in your life and the people that help you along the way there, it just magnifies your life. It allows you to, to truly appreciate um, life, and it allows you to develop relationships. You know, uh, Bill Drake coming down and holding me accountable allowed us to grow in our relationship. I'm grateful for him for holding me accountable. I'm grateful for him to come down and uh, give me a stern talking to, to hold me accountable and to make me think twice about um, how I interact and conduct myself. And so it's not, and it's not just that you have other people in your life that hold you accountable or, um, help you in your life. And we don't always appreciate those people. We don't always give them credit. We don't always um, recognize them and that, and, and having gratitude magnifies your ability to enjoy your life. So a accountability, G gratitude. Then he goes to E for the age acronym. So E is empathy. And as he explains, you know, in our life, um, you you know, a lot of times we get mad at people and, oh gosh, how could they treat me like this? How could they do this to me? And they're, they're so rude and they're this. And the point that he's making is that um, to truly be empathetic, you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what kind of day they had. You haven't been in their shoes. You haven't walked with them. And, and on the outside, you might think they're the biggest, rudest, meanest person. But why? Why? And by having true empathy for them, and realizing that they're human too, and they're just trying to make it in this life, just like the rest of us. And to be empathetic of, of where they're at, truly empathetic, it will be transformational in your life as well. And he actually dovetails it, and he says, you know, there's actually, in this acronym H, there's a silent H. There's a silent H, and the H actually stands for humility. And, and when you apply humility, humility in your life to where you don't feel that you're, you've got an edge over somebody else, based on your bank account, um, the houses that you're in, the things that you've acquired in your life, when you um, do not put yourself above others and you truly um, are humble in your life and appreciate everything that you have, it allows the utter growth for, for true happiness. So when you put it all together with, with accountability, gratitude, empathy, and humility, when you put it all together, 
it truly allows you to grow. I mean, it, 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 it is a recipe for, for joy in your life. And who doesn't want joy in their life? Who truly doesn't? You know, um, happiness can be, can be derived from many things. Somebody could tell me that they're happy doing drugs. And that's how they, they, they want to spend their day. But we're not looking so much for happiness. We're looking for joy. I mean, what's joy? The joy is that, that three-year-old that has that smile on their face all the time because they're just excited to be alive. That's joy. And we're looking for that in our lives. Who doesn't want joy in their life? So again, um, just a little, just a little uh, touch there from Gary V. I'm Gary Vannerchuk. So it's kind of a long last name, Gary Vannerchuk. Um, but he goes by Gary V on Instagram if you want to check him out. Uh, great, great little segment there. So let me switch gears. And I just want to touch on um, a patient that um, actually is a client. And she does our virtual personal training program. And her name's Tiffany. And Tiffany um, is a true inspiration. She is what our virtual personal training is about um, because she came to me seven, eight months ago and said, hey, I've always hoped that you would do um, some type of personal training program. And I'm so excited that you're doing that. Tell me more about it. And I explained it to her and she went, that's awesome. She goes, because I have a specific goal. I want to hike the half dome at Yosemite. And this half dome is like a straight up um, rounded do- uh, rock, boulder, that um, is high elevation that's that's rounded and um, you know in the 1800s when they when they came through this that whole area in Yosemite the first guy went through there said there is a place right there that no no person will ever will ever touch on earth that's nobody will be able to get up there that's just too high and what they've done is they've um, gone through and put in cables and different little steps so that you're on this vertical climb essentially holding on to these cables going up there. And, and from Tiffany's explanation, people have died from falling off that and sliding to the, their death to the end. So it's, it's a real dear, a deal. Now, Tiffany is um, 73 years old. So she's 73. She's a yoga instructor. She uh, eats very well. She's active and fit. And this was a goal of hers. This is something that she's like, I, I want this in my life. I want, I want to be able to do this. And on top of it, you have to apply for a permit and they only give about so many permits away. So they don't allow everybody to do this. So it was, it was a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So her specific goal was, I want to be ready for this. I want to, I want to train so that I can hike it and have the endurance to do it. It's a 19-mile hike on that day as well, plus it's 4,800 feet elevation change. She said, I'll be wearing a pack, and I'll be um, hiking, I'll be climbing, I'll be, I need to improve my grip strength, I need to improve my step-up ability, going up and over things. So it was, it was a real challenge. And again, we started off with her program, customized everything to her, and gradually started advancing um, uh, her strength, balance, uh, grip strength, lower leg strength, and uh, core strength, and then started making it more specific as as we got closer to her deadline. And we started adding more um, hiking, um, uh, backpack hiking with weights in it, and, and really started advancing her up. And she came back. Um, she sent me pictures the whole time. She ended up uh, going up to the top, and she, she had emailed me at the bottom and said, do you think I should try it? And I said, absolutely, absolutely, because she was worried about getting up there. And some people get up about halfway, and it's too steep, and it's too hard, and they don't know what to do, and they don't know if they can um, get back down. And there were people, um, after she did decide to go to the top, and turn around, come down. There were younger couples that you know were crying there, going, "I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get down." And so, so it was a real accomplishment for her to be able to make the hike, 
be able to um, meet that goal, get up to the top of the half dome and accomplishment. And so again, I wanted to just shed uh, a spotlight on Tiffany and, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of, of the person that she is, that she would dedicate herself to uh, a specific goal. And, you know, for, for her, that is what brings her joy in her life. Other individuals, you know, that we have as clients, as virtual personal training clients, they're, um, they have other goals. And their goals might be just to improve their balance, just to um, lose 10 pounds. That might be to um, improve their lower leg strength so that they can walk farther or with better accuracy or uh, ability. They may, for some, it's just improve their leg strength so that they can get up and off the ground with their grandkids. You know, so, the, so our virtual personal training um, is completely customizable for, for that person. But what it also does is it allows um, you to be the person that decides what we do. You know, everybody's different. Everybody has their own goals, their own needs. And we walk you through it. It's, it's a, a, a stepwise progression that we have down. It's becoming extremely popular to where um, people are loving what it does. And we dovetail that with in a, in a, a, a wellness group that meets by Zoom as well, once a week. We dovetail it with um, follow-up Zoom calls. And the reason that we do all that is that it's called virtual personal training, but what the only part virtual is meaning that we can virtually do it anywhere. So we can do it anywhere. If we do have some people that are 100% virtual, but for the most part, um, we have a lot of people that come down to our training facility, to our gym, so that we can expand what they're doing and we can stay in touch with them more. But we call it virtual because a lot of times um, we lose track of our fitness because we do other things. We go to Arizona for two months. We go on vacation. We get sick. We get ill. And we need opportunities where we can build you programs off-site, not just in our training facility. We need to be able to keep you going through the tough times and, and help with accountability. So we dovetail all, all of what we uh, program for people in an app that allows you to be pushed exercises the, the day before, and every exercise is tied to a video. So you're, you're never left wondering what's the name of this and how to do it. You can see the video. You can see how to do it. And then on top of it, you, you get 24-hour access to our facility, and you can message us anytime through that app or call us. So we have multiple touch points where we can help you reach all of your goals and, and really, um, really uh, allow you to, to get the most out of what we're offering. So overall, again, Tiffany, super proud of you, super proud of what you're, what you're doing in your life. And uh, you're, you're an inspiration, 73 years old, staying fit and active, being able to hike 19 miles in a day and go to the top of 4,800 elevation um, hike to a half dome is absolutely amazing. I'm super proud of you. So, okay, team, when we return, we are going to shed on men's health. Uh, we're moving into uh, no shave November, November. <laughs> and uh, it's really about men's health awareness. And we've got a great uh, segment coming up that dovetails into an interview from a, a person who um, battled with with uh, cancer himself, testicular cancer, to be to be accurate. So, um, when we return, we're going to start touching on our men, men's health segment. That uh, for all you men out there or women who have stubborn men and won't go to the doctor, you'll want to uh, stay tuned. All right, thanks.
And we are back, 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 back. And before the break, I touched on a topic that we were going to address. And this topic is, is even though I like to be goofy and have a good time, um, this is serious. This is a serious topic, much like when we talked about pregnancy with Emily Giesler that came in and we've addressed incontinence in the, in the past for women. This is a considerable concern um, for men. And the reason that um, they're having multiple campaigns in November, such as No Shave November or Movember, and these are two different organizations that solely are looking to raise awareness for men's health type issues. And for example, there's, there's three main issues that, that they really like to address and, and get into. One is um, men's health related to uh, mental health. That's one area of concern is to bring awareness to men's mental health. The second one is um, cancers, so particularly uh, testicular cancer and prostate cancer. And these are two other areas. And, and all three of these topics, the reason that there's such a concern and that they draw attention to them is that they are preventable. And they're preventable when uh, action is taken and awareness is there and um, we can help individuals. And so let's, let's kind of dovetail into this and look at these three um, kind of pronged topics. And one is mental health. And you look at men that uh, globally, on average, one man dies by suicide every minute of every day. I mean, that is, that's powerful. When you start looking at um, globally, the impact that suicide is, uh, is prevalent in men. You know, so if we can bring awareness, if we can do a, a no-shave campaign where men don't shave for the month of, of November, then you have individuals like me that draw attention to it, that speak to some of these issues such as mental health, testicular cancer, or prostate cancer. And again, that's why we have our individual who's a great guy, Trav Green, that's going to talk to us next about his experience with, with uh, testicular cancer. But staying on the topic of, of mental health, you know, you look at uh, just in the U.S., the rate of male suicide is alarmingly high. Approximately four in five suicides are men. So think about that. Out of all the suicides in the U.S., four out of the five are men. So really what uh, the, the campaigns, No Shave November or Movember, also is, is looking to do is is try to um, look at mental health through a men's lens and really focus on prevention. They're looking at particularly early, early interventions and promote health overall. And their goal is to reduce the rate of suicide in, in males by 2030 by 25%. So different um, campaigns like this are specifically looking to target um, education conversations that matter, um, when to, to draw alarm for certain conversations, different services that actually work for men that they'll use, um, bring in some of the brightest minds, um, bringing them together to help fund initiatives and projects that will help men overall globally with some of the solutions, um, creating a, a community first type atmosphere. So men know that they're, they're not alone and that they have um, help available. And then overall, they're, they're really just looking to advocate for men, just be an advocate that um, can speak up and say, this isn't right and we should address it. 
So overall, you know, uh, mental health, that's something that's, that's preventable, that we can know the signs, we can see the signs, and we can help uh, men take action. And, and part of it is, is that awareness. So another um, area that they touch on, like I mentioned, and then we'll, we're going to talk with, with Trap Green in a minute, um, is testicular cancer. And, and testicular cancer is the number one cancer among, among young men. So if you look at all the cancers, um, young men have the greatest chance of, of developing testicular cancer. Uh, but only about 62% of those who are most at risk for testicular cancer, they don't know how to even check themselves to see if it's normal, to see what is abnormal down there. So the, the good news is, is that it's easy and there's ways to uh, evaluate yourself. That's something that uh, Trav touches on is how he found his um, issue and was able to seek treatment. And that's the thing about testicular cancer, too, is it's completely treatable. When caught early, it is one of the most highly treatable and highly curable cancers out there. And, and, and it's unlikely um, that it's going to be a long-term complication. I mean, it's, when, when caught properly, it can be addressed right away and it can be tackled. So, again, testicular cancer is the, is the second um, area of concern for both of these campaigns in November. And the third one is really prostate cancer. And we see prostate cancer, particularly in men over the age of 50. And it's another concern as well. A lot of men um, around the world in the United States will, will be diagnosed with prostate cancer. And it's, it's actually the most diagnosed cancer overall in all men in the United States. But globally, more than 1.4 million men are diagnosed with prostate cancer each year. So the key, it, again, is early detection. If we can detect this early, that is the sole key to helping um, individuals between life and death. So a couple of facts to know. If you're an African-American, you should be getting your prostate evaluated, um, at least a PSA test, at the age of 45. So African-American's 45. If you have a family history of prostate cancer, you should be also getting um, evaluated with PSA testing at 45. But for everybody else at the age of 50, you should be having that conversation with your doctor about testing for prostate risk. So looking at who's at risk, why do they do this? Well, uh, if you're 50, you know, you should be definitely talking about that. Any individuals that are over 50 um, have a considerable increased chance of developing prostate cancer. And men who are African-American and men who have a family history, such as a brother or a father with prostate cancer, are two and a half times more likely to get prostate cancer as well. So the key is um, getting that PSA test, and it's essentially just a simple blood test. They just test, test your blood, and they use an antigen um, that's, that's in your blood to determine your level of, of um, possibility of having prostate cancer. And based on that is what um, helps them detect the first steps of, of prostate cancer. So again, just to touch on real quick, some of the signs and symptoms of prostate cancer, you know, with men, you're going to feel, for testicular cancer, you're going to feel a lump. You're going to feel possibly pain, not always, down into the groin, down on the testicle. But the, the biggest sign that you're going to see is, is that lump on the, the testicle overall. But for prostate cancer, um, there's a couple other ones. One is, the, the, one of the signs and symptoms 
is a need to urinate frequently, especially at night. You see that, um, that difficulty, that frequent urination. The other area is uh, difficulty starting to, to urinate or holding back urine. It's hard to, to hold it back or to get going. It takes a while to get going. And for me particularly, you see older men at the urinal in large sporting events. They're standing there and standing there and standing there, kind of waiting for it to come out. And then you also see uh, weak or interrupted flow of urine or possibly painful or burning, burning your urination. So these are all um, areas of concern, but it also can, uh, prostate can affect um, having an erection. It can create painful ejaculation, and it can create some blood in the, the urine. Um, we'll see it in the clinic at times because people will have frequent pain or stiffness in the low back, hips, or the upper thighs. So that can also be another sign of, of prostate cancer. So overall, I just wanted to bring awareness to No Shave November or Movember. And um, I don't know if I'll be growing my mustache, mustache out. My wife is not a big mustache individual. <laughs> and every time I really start letting the facial hair go, it gets to a certain point and she starts threatening me that it, it just looks too bad. So um, five o'clock shadow, I've got that locked down. Um, I've attacked that one. I, I've got that one down solid. <laughs> but I don't know about the, about the rest of the facial hair. But the key is to do my part to bring awareness. And that's what we're doing today for those three areas. So if you're a young man, do frequent testing of the testicles. Feel them. Make sure they feel normal. Is there any pain area sensitivities? Um, it, you have any, any abnormal symptoms down into the groin, but particularly a lump on the testicle is your number one. For older men, difficulty with urination, difficulty with um, you know s starting or stopping the flow of urine, and any painful or burning urination, these are all signs. Um, so just be aware that that's that's you need to get evaluated, particularly after the age of fifty. And um, overall, mental health. Mental health is, is an issue for everyone. It's an issue for everyone that's uh, in our country, whether you're male, female, young, or old. And it's important that we continue to address our mental health and continue to be there for each other. And that's what it really comes down to is, um, is being empathetic. And that's kind of where I started this podcast today is with, with Gary V talking about empathy as the third part of age and uh, being empathetic about where people are at and understanding where they're coming from and, and then just being a good human and trying to be there for people. I, I, I think that's, that's key. You know, I'm a, it takes very little effort to just show concern, to show compassion. Um, and, and that doesn't mean you have to spend your life doing things for people. It's just being compassionate when people need it. It's, it just touches people in a way that pays you dividends. So Look for those opportunities to be empathetic, to be compassionate for other people, and uh, help them in their mental health overall. So, again, when we return, we will have the man of the hour, uh, truly my best friend, uh, a guy that, you know, I respect a ton and has, has done a lot for me in my life and given me security and uh, guidance, hope, and I appreciate him. He's, he's a guy I love dearly. And I am thankful that he, he came, made the travel up here to sit in the big boy chair and let me grill him on, uh, I can't say his favorite topic, which would be his groin, <laughs> but uh, reviewing his, his, his prostate cancer, I mean, I'm sorry, his testicular cancer. And I'll tell you what, it is impactful, it is powerful to listen to uh, the impact this has had on his life even 10 years later. So... 
for, for everybody out there, when we return, please stick around, listen to the um, in-depth interview of Trav Green and his experience um, tackling and beating uh, testicular cancer. So when we return... Welcome, welcome, welcome back to In the Clinic with Rob. And as I promised uh, before the break, I was going to have my main man, my, my, my best bro, a uh, guy that's been in my life for the last 15 years and truly is uh, one of the best people I know. So he's, he's a guy I already alluded to before the break is uh, Trav Green. I call him Trav Green. It's Travis Green. And uh, I, I, I don't think I've had you up in Colville since uh, 4th of July a couple of years ago when you were juggling fire. Is that right? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that was the last time uh, I was uh, up around this joint here. Yeah. I had some fire sticks <laughs> in my hand, just twirling them around. Which, no, just, a, just a typical 4th of July. Which is awesome. So thank, thank you for coming up, by the way. Anytime. Love it. So, yeah, Trav was, uh, <laughs> he came out to a 4th of July show that we had. Um, where we're going to have friends and family come over and I had my dad being the DJ and we're having a great old time. And I convinced Trav to come up and juggle, do his juggling act. Cause when he was in, um, what was it, high school or so, or junior high? So I started in sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he developed his own, uh, juggling, um, business in a way with some friends. And so I asked him to come up and uh, do his juggling skit. So when he came up, I grabbed the mic and I told everybody, I was giving him a big speech about how, you know, the, the, Trav's the guy and he's the man. And one of my favorite things about him is how he's not afraid to just try new stuff and, and to just go with it. And I said, just like in physical therapy school, uh, you know, when the first time I met him, he uh, was, in a, was looking to do a bodybuilding competition. And right then, everybody looked at him, and Trav looked at me, and he looked down at his belly, which wasn't in bodybuilding shape. And then looked back at me and said, hey, thanks, man. <laughs> Which is a beautiful transition for our virtual personal training program that Sumner Specialized Physical Therapy has here. Thank, thank you for the promo. Yeah. No <laughs> so I'll we'll be uh, talking to your, uh, your staff about getting signed up for that no, well, when we're done here. You know, we, we, it is part virtual. If so I'm going I mean, somewhere, that's, that's the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm fearful that, that you haven't been back since, so hopefully I didn't offend you last time. Not one bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, as I alluded to, uh, you know, we first met in PT school, um, physical therapy school. We hit it off first day, sat next to each other, and just like a, a true, um, you know, elementary bromance, it, it, it just kind of flourished from there. So It, it really did. <laughs> and, you know, when you're, uh, you know, you find people that you're just you gel with, you know, and, and I, I remember, uh, PT school was a really, really fantastic time in my life. And I don't know if it was the same for you, Rob, but when I was done with my undergrad, so I went to central and I uh, got my degree in exercise science there. I really had no clue on what I wanted to do, <laughs> but I was, uh, 
and you guys can hear my quotes here, an athlete. Um, and so, I mean, that was kind of my world, but I didn't really go the athletic trainer route or anything like that. So the option for me was, hey, are we a cardiopulmonary specialist working at a cardiac rehab unit? Are you going to be a personal trainer or are you going to go on to higher education? So that led me to Eastern where I got a degree, I got a best buddy, and I got a wife. <laughs> it totally made your, made your whole life it from then on. It kind of worked out perfect, <laughs> you know? So uh, as um, my, my wife, Tara, she was a year behind me in school. Uh-huh. And uh, I know this I think is... I remember me telling you to go for her, if that's right. So I know we were going to talk about our bromance, but maybe I could talk about <laughs> the wife as well. But hey, she's part of it. That's true. So um, I don't know if she knows the story or not, but it was definitely, I was interested and Rob was a front runner and said, hey, you got to go after that girl. And then after I started talking to Tara and we started hanging out a bit, it was so... Uh, when am I going to print up the wedding invitations for you? <laughs> and you called it from the start, man. Well, hey, I saw, I, I, I'm a good eye for quality, you know, and she's, she's a fantastic person, um, and she fit perfectly for you. So when I, when I heard there was a sliver that she might like you, I'm like, but Dude, do not go pass that up. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was like, take this shot and go. Yes. So, but let me, you know, let me give our listeners, kind of paint them a picture of, of who Trav is, because if you chose not to go to Eastern and, and be in the same PT program with me, um, our whole classmates of, I think, 34 would have been greatly disappointed in their experience. Because <laughs> Trav, you know, Trav wasn't a class clown, but Trav truly appreciated humor and, and sometimes subtle humor. And, you know, uh, certain things that I remember about PT school that made me laugh about you is sitting next to you in class and you would bring this full cooler of food because you're going, you're training for your bodybuilding right. stuff. You know, so you would have a full cooler of food sitting there and all day eating it, eating it. And Walt being like, do you have a medical condition? Do you need to eat in my class? <laughs> and, and so you had to eat in between classes and you're out there stuffing yourself with the 10 minute break that we got. And so stuff like that. But the one that truly, truly just uh, makes my day is um, we would always have to do these uh, stand-up presentations all the time. It was, it was a big deal where, you know, we, we need to be able to present in front of people um, as professionals and we need to have to, uh, you know, give speeches and give PowerPoints and stuff. So everything that we did in our classes came down to a, either a group presentation or a solo presentation. It was just kind of the thing. So we had one for our neuro class and in our neuro class, um, it was supposed to just be a light presentation. Hey, it's only going to be like a five minute presentation. You're not really being graded on it. You're going to present this information. So it helps the class overall learn. So it was a, a super loose presentation. Like you don't even dress up for it or anything. It's nothing, nothing special. Well, Trav shows up in a corduroy suit. I mean, like a super, super, uh, you know, buttoned up suit corduroy but the thing <laughs> i think it was a three-piece <laughs> it, it was a three-piece suit which was about three times too small <laughs> so it is skin tight on his legs it's skin tight through the chest he's like tommy boy where he can't even really move his arms in it 
And on top of it, he's got the high water going, going on with the pant legs because they're so short. So we immediately see Trav and we're like, holy smokes, you go. know, where did you get that? And you got it from? St. Vincent de Paul. $14. At, at a secondhand store. Yes. <laughs> so, so he gets the, uh, the suit and we thought the suit was, was the funny part that, hey, you did a great job there. No, he took it to another level during the presentation. And when he gave his presentation, we had to cite certain um, uh, uh, research articles. So a lot of these research articles are from individuals from um, Japan. So they have these very unique, hard-to-pronounce last names. And Trav went through and pronounced these absolutely so perfectly that it was a tongue twister that he had worked on and just said it so crisp that you knew he went through and practiced and practiced. You had to have practice on that. All night. I mean, it, I wanted to come dialed. So then at the end of his presentation, you know, everything seems like he's legit, but it's almost like he's mocking this, this deal. And he gets to the end. And again, it's like supposed to be like a five minute presentation. And he starts going through, okay, here are my works cited. And he goes through and he hits the button on the PowerPoint slide. And there's 20, a list of 20 references. So then he goes, and these, and clicks, and there's another 20. And he goes, and these, and there's another 20. And these, and there's another. So he had like 80 referenced um, uh, references to this presentation. It's like a three-minute presentation. And he gets done, and everybody can tell this is just kind of a mockery, but we can't laugh. We can't laugh about it. And the teacher, the professor gets done and goes, wow, Travis, you truly put your heart into this. I am so impressed with you. The amount of effort you put in the professionalism you brought, it is just top notch. You know, I have one question, Trav. Where do you get so much time to put into this? This was only going to be like a three-minute presentation. And without hesitating and a straight face, Trav looks at her and goes, well... My girlfriend just broke up with me, so I have a lot more free time on my hands, <laughs> which was actually true. Which that was, was, that was before nailed. you met your wife. That is correct. And, oh, it was, <laughs> it was tough. So stuff like that was just fantastic for us. What do, what do you remember most about PT school? So I, you know, um, with those moments, you know, I really just had to do those things <laughs> so I would not lose my mind. You know, I, I mean, and it was also something, too, where, you know, you and I are buddies, too. So a lot of it was that I, you know, do that to make you smile a little bit. You know, I mean, so it was, it was, you know, and why do a three-minute presentation when you can do that? You know, so for, for PT school with me, um, you know, it, I did not approach PT school as let's get in here and crush this and I'm going to be the best student in my I wanted to learn as much as I could but also I did not want to totally kill myself in the schoolwork I wanted to be able to have fun this is going to be my life work you know so let's uh let's have a good time where we're learning you know um yeah. and uh and we had, we had a good class for that. I mean, we, we had, had, fantastic we had a, class. a lot of good people in there that uh, diversity, some second career coming back. Some of them had kids. Some, you know, some of them are from Russia. Some were surgeons <laughs> from Russia. 
<laughs> which but, was amazing. <laughs> but, you know, the whole experience, I'd have to say, you know, the, to have like-minded individuals, 34 people all taking the same class at the same time. I mean, it was it, to think it was 15 years ago that we went through that, nice. that we graduated, which is crazy. And to be able to, um, you know, finish a, a, a practical, finish a test, and then run up when we all go play basketball together. Right. You know, and it's just, yeah. it was a pretty special time in our lives. It was fun. Do you know one of the best things that I liked about PT school mm-hmm. was the ratio. Explain. Yeah, the, the ratio between how many guys there were in our class <laughs> versus how many girls there were. And I really think that that had like to play into three. the fact of, of why I got a wife out of PT school. <laughs> Because there were 10 guys for 24 girls, and it was very similar to... So, I mean, that, that worked in my favor. Well, hey, you're, you're not a dummy, so you, you get a good ratio. Well, let's transition from PT school. Tell me what you're doing now. So, um, really for the past 15 years, I've been a home health physical therapist, uh, working in the Post Falls, Coeur d'Alene area. Right now, I'm working for uh, Reliant Healthcare. Uh, we're based out of Coeur d'Alene. Um, I really backed off on my caseload at this point. I have had a lot of conversations with a lot of my patients. Um, I work in, in the geriatric population. Sure. Uh, a conversation I had with a patient I um, have had for years uh, just the other day. Um, he's 98 years old. He said, hey, Trav, you know, you got three kids, right? Yeah. He said, well. I have five, and my oldest just had her 70th birthday yesterday. Wow. So take the time with your family, you wow. know? So that's a lot of why I've backed off sure. on um, just patient care and, and just trying to find that life balance. Good for you. Yeah. Um, so, so it's great. I, uh, <laughs> I work a couple of days a week at a, a assisted living facility over in Post Falls. Um, and. Uh, I'm a chauffeur quite a bit as well mm-hmm. with the minivan. I've got that down pretty well. Nice. Um, and so just uh, trying to find that balance, as you know, is uh, something that goes along continuously throughout uh, life. But really right now, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really in a good spot. It's allowed me to drive the two hours up here to see my boy Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Which I appreciate. Oh man, I I love the drive. It was yeah. a it was a nice little roll. Um, quick little quick little thing uh, this morning. So I'm a big coffee caffeine guy. So I had to get my Starbucks this morning. Oh God! <laughs> so I stopped by Starbucks, and you know I've lived in Liberty Lake since '07, and you know I know most of the people there. Um, this one day I uh, was stopping there and chatting with the barista as they do at the window. And she said, yeah, so what do you do? How are you doing? Everything? I said, you know, really, one of these days I'm going to drive up and I'm going to get off of caffeine because I, I get terrible headaches and everything too, right? <laughs> and I said, one of these days I'm actually going to go cold turkey and just not have any of this stuff. And so this morning I rolled up to Starbucks and uh, the uh, person on the other line. Hey, welcome to Starbucks. How you doing? What can I get for you today? I said, Well, I'll have my Vente Ice Quad Espresso, three pumps of white mocha, and a Vente cup. <laughs> and the voice wow. on the other line says, So you're not giving up caffeine today? 
Oh, <laughs> uh, so it totally caught me off guard. I was like, "Oh, hey, how we do it?" Yeah. So I thought it was quite perfect. How couldn't that be? Every time you order coffee, where some the person just says, "You really want that?" Are you hey, sure? It's it's that reverse mindset, you know. Got they're, it. They're just they're they're hooking into you with the reverse thoughts. There. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Trav. So I want to shift gears now. And when I told you I wanted you to come up and uh, be on the podcast, um, you know, you said, well, what, what topic are we going to talk about? And I, and I said, I don't know. We'll, let's think about it. I mean, I got enough stories about you and we can, we can go through it. And, and uh, you know, it kind of got awkward when you said, I got an idea. I got a perfect idea. And uh, I said, really? What, what do you think? And he goes, well, November's coming up. And I said, yeah, what, what, what's the big deal? He goes, well, we, we can talk about my, my privates. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> I'm thinking, what? What are you talking about? And he goes, well, you know, um, we could talk about my experience, if you remember, you know, what, what I went through. And then it dawned on me that, yeah, Trav's right, that, uh, you know, if, um, if I'm remembering everything correctly, that you had about with testicular cancer. So, I mean, yeah, I think, uh, and with November coming up, um, as, as a month that kind of highlights that, we thought this would be a, uh, a perfect segue to kind of shed light on a topic that affects a lot of men and um, gives you an opportunity to come see me, and uh, we could talk about your privates. Right, exactly. Well, I was a little <laughs> hesitant just because, you know, I mean, we're talking about, you know, that area and everything, but then I felt better because... You know, it's just you and I talking, and really nobody else is oh, going to yeah. hear about it. I mean, so. and nobody listens to this podcast. Yeah, so I think we're all, I think we're <laughs> safe here. So, you know, we can just yeah. talk as much as we want. Um, but, you know, Movember is not only for the mustache. True. You know, um, no. which I have a difficult time growing. It, takes, it definitely takes me f- the full month. Well, walk me, walk me through not your mustache, but kind of walk me through your experience with um, your, your first bout when you first started realizing, oh, uh, and I believe if I remember correctly, and you could correct me, that you found a lump yep. um, when you were, when you were uh, self-exploring. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So really what it came down to was um, it was a Sunday afternoon after basketball. I had come home, mm-hmm. and I was taking a pee, and I felt a lump on my left testicle. Mm-hmm. Um, painful. Uh, in, Every guy knows when you get kicked in the nuts, you've got that dull ache that you can't explain to anybody else, but yep. you know what I'm talking about, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you touch it, you, you just get that dull ache. And it's definitely, um, you know, shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? Monday morning, I went into my dog and got checked out. And... You know, that was the initial thing. It's like, hey, I got an issue here. This is abnormal. Let me go look at this. And it helps just bouncing all this stuff off of my wife because she's um, highly educated. I can throw all this stuff at mm-hmm. her and she just is able to, you know, sort out my madness. And just <laughs> she gets me and she's like, okay, well, let's do this. And, this and that's one. a topic she likes talking about. Of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. Top of the list. <laughs> right. And so um, that Monday, mm-hmm. I did not have a primary care physician. Okay. Uh, I did go to uh, somebody for a 
physical previously a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went into my guy, Timothy Manson. He's over there in um, Spokane Valley, um, primary care physician. And he checked me out. 20 minutes later, he had me in to uh, get imaging done where I had an ultrasound. And they mm-hmm. were able to diagnose it that evening. And he got right on it. He was... And, and what did they diagnose? So they uh, diagnosed uh, testicular cancer, okay. um, and it was caught significantly early. It wasn't a stage four or anything of that nature. Um, but when you first heard, ooh, you have testicular cancer, was, was there like, whoa, fear? Was there um, worry? Was there this, holy smokes, what's going to happen? Great point, yes. Mm-hmm. So that Monday, my wife and I, we had one day where it was, you know, could I die? Mm-hmm. I'm scared. Yeah. We have one kid. Right. We want to have a bigger family. So, you know, we, we got a lot. Of, I mean, that's when I was able to just get all my emotion out that day. Wow. I still feel bad calling my boss and telling her and just <laughs> sobbing on the phone yeah. and not being able to talk. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, I mean, she totally understood. But I all mean, that fear, I mean, that, that yes, unknown, the, all totally. those questions you can't have answers for right away. And then anytime we hear the word cancer, it just, I mean, it's built up in our mind of this, whoa, totally. this. So yeah, no, I hear you. So you, you found out you had testicular cancer. They started to do some imaging. Um, what did they, what was their initial uh, prognosis for you where they said, okay, this is the plan. This is what we need to do. Right. So um, how it went down was I, um, I was immediately referred to an oncologist over mm-hmm. at Rockwood Clinic, um, Dr. Kirk Lund, a fantastic guy. And um, I went in to him and he laid it out. He said, look, you caught this very early. Mm-hmm. Um, this type of cancer, even if it has spread to your lungs, your brain, you have a 98% chance of being okay. Good. I felt kind of good about that. Yeah. You know, I am a gambling guy and I, I'm, I'm going to take 98%. <laughs> yes. Right? You, you're our rounders. <laughs> so, so we had that discussion. He said, look, we got to get this out of there first though. Uh, oh, so actually the 98% chance that may have come after my surgery. So, you know, it, it's been over 10 years, so I'm trying to piece all this oh, stuff sure. together. Yeah. So, um, so really what, so my initial uh, encounter too was Hey, you got to get this thing taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what we do is we see if it's spread to any other areas of your body. So, yeah. um, I was scheduled for surgery three weeks later after that appointment. I went in for surgery. So I thought. And was myself, there some worries as far as before your surgery was not just the cancer, but for reproduction? Yes. So that was a discussion, obviously, that Tara and I had. Um, and so I went ahead and. Uh, got an account and went down to the bank. <laughs> not your normal no, not Washington Bank of Federal. America. <laughs> this is a yeah. different kind of bank uh, yeah. that only takes deposits. Um, <laughs> and so I, uh, I went down there and banked some sperm. Mm-hmm. And um, there's multiple stories, and we won't go down a rabbit hole there. But sure. Um, you know, that was an important thing. We wanted to have, mm-hmm. you know, my, my son was one at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, we want to have a bigger family. So, And just for clarity, um, 
you know, with there are two testicles, mm-hmm. and removing one, you still have one viable testicle. Exactly. So there is, um, there there is uh, normalcy that you can still reproduce with one testicle. Uh, but there was a fear that by removing one, there was a chance that you might not. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And, and um, we don't know if the cancer spread or mm-hmm. or anything too. Um, and it does remind me as well. We did get my testosterone checked prior mm-hmm. to that, so we could get an initial level of where it was also. And I'm sure that was super low. Significantly. (laughs) It still is. (laughs) And and, I mean, how much time do we have today? Because, (laughs) wow. We, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff Well, if I keep cracking jokes on you, yeah. Right? (laughs) No, continue. Um, So, going to the, um, I mean, so we, we got everything, you know, as far as the sperm bank and everything. Mm-hmm. So I went in and had multiple deposits prior to surgery. Mm-hmm. And then it was surgery time. Okay. My initial thought was, how do they take this out? Sure. Do they take it out through my sack? Wait, where? How, mm-hmm. You know, right? Yeah. Because, you know, it's not something that I really know what's going on. So they make an incision. On in my groin area. Oh, really? It's about a two-inch wide incision there, because what happens if you go through your, your sac, scrotum? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Technically, right. So if you go through there, then it's a much higher possibility that you could um, damage the testicle because they want to keep everything oh. intact. Oh, okay. Because if you know, you want to have a good sample for the lab and everything like that, um. So anyway, they they go through that area, mm-hmm. take it out, and then they send it off to the lab. Okay. What did the lab say? So the lab that came back and said that it was um, several types of cancers, um, mm-hmm. but it, mainly it you know it it's general. I mean, testicular cancer. It's it was confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um. But all my blood work and everything just said that it was contained to that area. Good. Um, when you had that surgery and you, uh, did they put you, put you under anesthesia? Yes. Okay. And when you came out of anesthesia and it was done, was there much pain there? Were you on pain meds? Were you, um, was there much soreness into the groin area for a while? What was kind of the, you know, for an individual that's out there that says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm on the route for testicular cancer. I'm three weeks away from this type of right. uh, a surgery. What can they expect from the recovery? Right. So it was very streamlined. So I went in that morning. I had surgery, and it was possibly an hour, something like that. I came into recovery. I woke up. Uh, you know, you don't remember a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife was there with me. Um, you know, you're groggy coming out of surgery. I really did not have any pain. Okay. I had mainly that dull ache mm-hmm. from what we're talking about. And um, I was able to walk right away gingerly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was similar to an abdominal a light procedure. Mm-hmm. You know, so, Good. yeah, it was very minimal. Okay. So they tested it. They found that there was cancer there. Uh, what did they decide afterwards? What was kind of the progression from there? Did you need to do any radiation, chemotherapy, or was it contained to a spot where you, you didn't have to do that? Right. 
So here's where we get up to the 98% type of, um, and so I appreciated the fact that he was able to talk to me in specific numbers. And so it was so removed and I had my meeting with uh, Dr. Lund and he told my wife and I, he said, look, you know, it's been taken out. If we don't do any further treatment now, there's a 92% chance that the cancer is gone. Um, if we go through a round of chemo, you can improve that chance to a 98% chance. Yeah, that's, a, that's good odds. Then. Right? So, so I thought, okay, well, I mean, I'm not really doing anything right now. How about we just go through some chemo? Um, which, after I went through my first round of chemo, I had another meeting, and he said, we could go through another round and decrease it by 1%. I was willing to roll the dice. Um, it, uh, chemo affects people differently from what I found in my experience treating patients while they're going through chemo. Some people are totally fine going through chemo. It doesn't affect them as much. Some people mm-hmm. are completely wiped out. I was completely wiped out. Oh, really? I, and I didn't have a ton. I mean, I, I had a, I remember... My kryptonite was bleomycin, mm-hmm. and this med really affected my lungs. Uh, I couldn't take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also steroids involved, too, that helped with nausea and inflammation and mm-hmm. quite a few things, too. And they ended up taking me off of the bleomycin. Uh, my doc said, hey, look, we're trying to cure your cancer and not give you a lung condition. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it was definitely an issue with breathing, um, but I was just completely wiped out, lost my hair. Um, by the way, um, I thought it'd be fine. Hey, l- let's shave my head and I'll get rid of the hair. Right. So, okay. So I took <laughs> yeah. a, I took a, you know, number one straight and just shaved it. Right. Well, what you don't realize is that when you do that, you have created tiny little hairs that now fall out that are all over the place. So you got to go with the razor (laughs) and you got to just get them all because otherwise you wake up with tiny little prickly things rather than long, you know, so yeah, you can't just do the number one. You got to go to the Bic. Got it. So just a, just a little thought there. Good reference. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, as far as the chemo goes, do you have any, uh, any current residual effects 10 years later from that, or is it pretty much all resolved? I really don't. Um, The one thing that I remember is when I go outside in the morning Mm -hmm. and I'm able to take a deep breath, I remember how terrible it was to not be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I I think it's important to keep Mm -hmm. a reminder because it is so easy for me to just go throughout my day and think, oh yeah, I feel great. I've never... If you remember those things and those struggles that you've been through, mm-hmm. then I think that helps for you to keep perspective as well. Huge. Huge. And so that's a little, you know, helpful reminder for me when I wake up in the morning, take that deep breath, remember, oh yeah, life's not so bad right now. Yeah. You know? I mean, so. 
Well, and on the flip side, you know, we talked on earlier in your interview about, um, you know, going to the bank. And, you know, for me, I know that not, not just the son that you had when you were first diagnosed, but you have two other beautiful children that have occurred after that surgery. Mm-hmm. So um, at this point, is that, uh, uh, can you tell our listeners, did you have to go to the bank on that and, and, and remove the deposit? Or was that something that you didn't have to worry about because your body naturally produced, produced exactly. that sperm? So um, we did not conceive children while I was going through chemotherapy. That's definitely mm-hmm. one thing that you don't want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but making sure that um, everything was clear, we were he- healthy to start having children. Um, and I was able to not, ha- not go to the bank for these other two. Nice. Um, and then promptly after our third, went back to my surgeon who did remove my left testicle and got a vasectomy. <laughs> Um, and he was a pretty, uh, pretty, um, serious guy. Uh And as you can tell, I'm not. Yeah. Um, but I, as I was driving down there, I was kind of practicing my delivery and (laughs) I got in there and he's, oh, looks like we're going to be giving you a vasectomy today. Okay. I said, yeah, well, you know, considering that you removed my left testicle a few years ago. Would you consider the vasectomy at half price? <laughs> and like, I got a smirk out of him. And he said, well, the result is you being sterile, so, you know, I really can't. Do- so, anyway, I was proud of myself. You didn't even laugh, huh? Didn't I, I, I got a little bit, but, you know, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, um, yeah. So, I was able to have children, mm-hmm. no problem. Good. Um. My bank deposits expired. Yeah. They're no longer there. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good option, Mm -hmm. you know? So. For sure. Well, you know what, for you get, for you sitting here now and you're, um, you know, thankfully you opened up about this and you talked about, uh, kind of your process. So other people are out there, you know, you have, you have young men that, um, might not think testicular cancer is even an issue for them. Um, but, but it's a real issue for, for a lot of men out, out there. What would you say from the individual that doesn't think they can ever get testicular cancer, an individual on what to look for to be proactive, and then also for somebody that's recently diagnosed with testicular cancer, what's kind of a, some of the advice that you can give to all three of those individuals? Right. So I think first off, you know, just be checking yourself. Take mm-hmm. it, you know, when you're in the shower. I mean, you know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. You know if there's a bump or something weird. And go in to see your doc. Yeah. Do not wait on it because, hey, what if it's just a cyst or what if it's yeah. great? Now you got peace of mind. Right. So that's what I would recommend. Don't be hesitant. You know, your doctor is there to help you out, to be able to walk you through those things and to give you peace of mind. Thank goodness it's only a cyst. What if it could be cancer? Right. You know, so, um, and now for those individuals that have been Newly diagnosed, by my, my physician told me at the time, he said, look, if you're going to get cancer, Trav, you want to get either thyroid or testicular. Mm-hmm. He said, those are very highly curable cancers. Um, so for one, don't feel it's a death sentence, but also two, do everything you can to be educated to talk to your provider about, 
get online in the forums and talk to other people who are going through it with you because you're not alone. You need to have a support system. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, I, if I didn't have my wife and my family helping me through that, mm-hmm. then, you know, it, I was very depressed mm-hmm. going through the chemo. I mean, you lose your yeah. mobility. You lose everything that you've yeah. had. And so, um, you know, getting a support system around you and educating yourself. That's really good. You know, so um, was there another question that I did not touch no, on there? No, you hit on all three of those. Okay. And before I kind of close um, kind of our, our testicular cancer uh, segment here, you know, one thing that I'll let out of the bag, um, you know, that that Trav, before we sat down for this interview and we were just kind of talking through what this is going to be out, Trav, um, you know, he, he just had a mini meltdown, you know, and it, and it got emotional. You know, and I think that, you know, you even look at 10 years later, everything went smooth. You know, you, you, everything that, uh, that you were fearful about didn't happen. You know, you're alive. Um, you did have to have surgery, but you, you had a successful surgery. You had to do the chemotherapy, but you're sitting here 10 years later without any worry about having cancer. And on top of it, there was a fear of not being able to procreate, and you have two more beautiful children. So, uh, I mean, all in all, um, on the outside, it looks like, hey, everything was perfect for you. You're lucky. But still, you know, that, that sitting down talking about it and the emotion that came up and had to give my, my, my best friend a big bro hug and we had to sit and kind of work through that for a minute, those, those emotions are still there, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, it helps to, you know, be with your buddy who, you know, knows what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those, those are real. and. You know, they don't come up a lot because mm-hmm. you can just fly on the surface. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean. Wow. Hey, I love you. Love I appreciate you. you. Yeah. I appreciate you coming up and, and uh, talking about your your privates for us. Hey, well, you know. <laughs> your favorite just topic. Cause it, just because it's <laughs> you and I talking here, yep. it, it's totally fine. And, you know, we've. We, and our and our ten listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. I'm just okay. Kidding. We got some more. Yeah. We got. We're, okay. After this, it's going. It's going viral. Okay. I can feel it. So. Um, but overall, you know, I, I appreciate you coming up and talking about this. I I, I still want to switch gears just a little bit, and uh, and touch on as far as Hoop Fest. You oh. know, so for us, uh, you know, ever since PT school, I think our second year in PT school, um, Trav was one of the original original four that uh, we competed in HoopFest, did very well. I think we either got first that year. I think we got first that year, though, or the second. I don't remember it like yeah, that. Something yeah. like that. We're, we're we always first together, in my but mind. Pretty much we win every year. <laughs> and then every year it became kind of a tradition, and we'd all, it gave us an opportunity to get together, um, meet up, and, and just uh, we, we took the competition seriously you know, to the point where we have certain rituals you know, where we, we normally meet at Trav's house, Liberty Lake, we go around and look for some some type of chumps that will play us to get us. We need some good warm up. Yep. You know, so, warm up breakfast. Yep. And if and eventually got into uh, where we play each other two on two, and those get pretty heated. Oh boy. Yep. And we take them seriously. <laughs> then we then we go to the Mexican restaurant in Liberty Lake afterwards. That's you know, with right. the, with the wives. Yep. And then we get up early morning, have breakfast at 
Madeline's. Madeline's in Spokane. And then we, we do a full warm up, which Trav gets dialed in with the, with the headphones on. He's got the hoodie up. And I kid you not, he spends at least an hour going every single move he has. He's doing jump shots. He's doing lay-ins. He's doing three-pointers. He's like, we're all sitting there waiting there for a half hour for Trav to get done with his full montage of, of I think he wears himself out just in the warm-ups. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to get calibrated. And it depends on which hoop you're at. You know? but, but this dovetails into um, our topic today with our, our men's health topic. Because uh, we decided after Trav um, had, his, had his testicle removed for, uh, for, for the cancer, when he was allowed to play the following year for, for Hoop Fest, we decided let's not have our team name be Nothing's Free anymore. You know, we got to change it up a little bit. Let's add a new one. What should it be? And we came up with the idea that our team name would be Three and a Half Men. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which, which was we thought would be perfect. We thought, hey, it's perfect to play on Trav, only having one testicle now, and it's going to be hilarious and will be great. And it was all fun and games until every single game, the shortest guy on our team, Ryan, would constantly get asked, "Are you the half? Are you the half?" <laughs> and Ryan's a fiery guy; like he's just he's all attitude, ready to go. And he would immediately turn and point at Trav. No, it's it's him. He's the half because he only has one testicle. <laughs> And uh, luckily, I never had to verify the fact. <laughs> but I thought it was quite funny that Ryan kept getting mistaken for the half. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so what did we do the next year? We changed our team name. We did. <laughs> we did. It was a short-lived one. Yes. So. But hey, you, you know, we thought we were yeah. being clever with it. Well, last little tidbit I have uh, that touches on Hoopfest is Trav... Um, has a finishing move. So anytime we need a bucket in a game and it's later in the game and it's a clutch time where we need it, we either need to win the game or it's close, tie up the game, it's getting down to the nitty gritty. And Trav has a certain finishing move where he catches the ball on the wing, he dribbles hard towards the baseline like he's going to lay it up and that defender's right on his hip. So he'll sprint as hard as he can and then he'll reverse it and go to the backside of the hoop. But he does this two-handed scoop shot with English with a little bit of twist on it that will hit off the backboard and go in. And it is almost gold every time. We don't like him to use it unless it's, at, unless it's that time in the game where we have to have it. And every time it throws the other team off, they think he's going for a regular layup and the scoop shot reverse layup is our go-to bucket. Where did you learn that? That is a product of my dad. So my dad being the you know, vertically challenged <laughs> gentlemen like I am, we had to come up with some, you know, tricky little shots around the hoop. Little, little uh, extra. Otherwise, it gets yeah. tossed the other way. So um, that one was just a, hey, let's mess around and see how this goes. And it just turned into my signature, you know. Um, the good one. And it's just, you know, something that just feels comfortable as mm-hmm. you're around the hoop. And I don't oh. get too high off the ground, but. It's beautiful. You know, it, it's the setup. Two-handed scoop with English. But, you know, the, the bad news is that now secret's out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe, uh, you know, I'll have to start working on another move here. Well, I'll tell you what, bud. Uh, as we wrap up this podcast, um, I'll give you the last, the last 10 t- little tidbit here. Any stories you want to let out of the bag from uh, the past, or we can always save them for another podcast. The floor is yours. 
Um, I would like to just touch on another Hoopfest story. Go for it. Um, I may get some of the details a little off here, but I'm going to recall the best I can here. Um, so we, uh, for years, we've been playing together as a team. And you know Rob's up from Colville area. And we're playing in our bracket, and it's, you know, our men's adult, six foot and under. <laughs> with our knees bent. With our knees bent. Yeah. And I don't have any problem with that, though. <laughs> um, and so uh, we, we come up into the bracket, and we see that we're going to be facing um, some of Rob's buddies from Colville area. And the stands are full of community members that Rob knows. We're walking up. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Oh, going good, blah, blah, blah. And so we're a little nervous because we're playing these boys here who are, I didn't really know at the time, but Mm -hmm. Rob was good friends with and knew well. Mm -hmm. And they knew Rob. And so I don't know if you... No, we're not, but Hoop Fest, we go by ones and twos. Mm-hmm. Yep. First to 20 or after 20 minutes. And so we start playing this game, and Rob goes into this thing called, many of you athletes have possibly gone to this place before, and it's called The Zone. <laughs> and it's like everything is going in. So. I'm playing with Rob, and we start feeding him the ball. I do not take one shot. I am. I don't care what is going because I'm getting Rob the ball here. Um, I thought we were going to have a huge battle on our hands, but what I didn't realize was I just had to get the ball to Rob. <laughs> Because I would get it to Rob. Rob would do his juke move and bomb a two. Take it to the hole and do his nice little 10-foot hook shot that is his patented move. And just put that in. Rob had 17 points in this 20-point game. And I may have hit a two. And and so we just rolled. I remember just after that game thinking to myself, it is so nice to have somebody on my team like Rob. <laughs> and and Rob's not going to pump himself up like that, uh, but you're, but you're being too kind. I I am underselling the heck out of this game here. It was a but, fun one. But you know, games like that when you're older, I mean, cuz you don't you don't get stuff yeah. like that anymore. So you got to compete. You got to do So that's what I love about Hootfest and being able to have that with my boys is yeah. just I I love it. You know, yeah. so hopefully we're getting Hoop Fest again next year. You know what? I hear you, Heather. We, we've got a ton of good Hoop Fest stories, you know, right down to when my wife got heat exhaustion when we were playing in the heat oh, and she's yeah. watching. Oh, boy, there's so many stories. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a lot of good ones. Um, you know, I, I plan on you keep coming up, being a regular on, on the podcast, and we'll we'll let a little bit more out of the bag. So, you know, I give you a hot mic. I tell you you can say whatever story you want, and you just you go with, you know, pumping me up with glory days and 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 telling about some of my best games so you're too kind to me you could have gone a different route so hey, well but when in rome <laughs> 
So all in all, um, again, thanks, man, for, for coming up, uh, to teaching people about your experience with testicular cancer. Um, just seeing the facility first time since, you know, 4th of July a couple of years ago and uh, just being my best bro. So I, I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate who you are. Appreciate the way you live your life. Um, you know, it's a testament of how much my wife likes you. That tells me how quality of a person you are for real. Because well, she's, she's a, a strong barometer. So um, all in all, you, you know, I love you. I appreciate you. And I uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Love you too, man. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks again for everybody out there listening to In the Clinic with Rob. And we will see you next time. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to In the Clinic with Rob. Your participation in this show means the absolute world to us. Feel free to hit the subscribe button for more of this auditory experience and to keep on listening. Thanks again, team. We'll see you next time.